you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest, Pete McPherson from Do You Even Blog. Check out his website at doyouevenblog.com. He's also got a podcast by that name and a YouTube channel. He's a prolific content creator, course creator, and WordPress expert. We're going to get into a lot of the nitty gritty today. We're actually going to start where most podcasts don't start, which is around failure. And we're going to dig into all kinds of, you're going to have tons of takeaways from this one. Welcome to the show, Pete. Well, thank you. I like talking about failures. Of course, <laughs> people know that like, oh yeah, you learn from your failures. But still, we try to like, kind of like shy away from talking about it. So yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, do you even blog podcast? I was listening to it on my morning walk this morning. I've been listening to podcasts for 10 years as part of my morning routine. It's how I learn. And um, I was listening to an episode you did with Nick Loper about why his product launch fell flat. So we're going to talk about Nick and then we're going to talk about your own projects that have failed. But if you're listening to this in your earbuds, after you listen to this, I want you to go find the Do You Even Blog podcast and, and find the Nick Loper episode if you want to go deeper on what we're going to talk about. But Nick Loper, he has a, his own podcast called Side Hustle Nation, I think it's called. Yep. Uh, why did his course project fail or his product launch fail? Yeah. So the one minute of context is this. Nick and I were actually skiing together. I was more like falling down the mountain. Nick was actually skiing. And we, we got to talking about like, oh, I remember you were working on a course and a launch like last year, like six months ago. How'd it go? And he was like, dude, not well. <laughs> he ended up making like 10 or 15,000. I'm going to throw Nick under the bus here. 10 or $15,000, but his audience is pretty substantial. Like he was expecting a lot more. Like that's, that's good revenue, but his audience was like, 30, 40, 50,000 people that he initially pitched this to. So there's the context. Pretty big audience. Smart guy too, by the way. Like a very loyal audience. They, they do meetups with him. His Facebook group is like really interactive. It's an incredibly engaging audience. Why didn't this work? And we were talking about this and we were brainstorming. I have two theories. And I think everybody could take something away from these. Number one was that it wasn't sexy. I hate to use that word because it's a little weird, but mm -hmm. it was very valuable. It was very useful. His product had something to do with, okay, I'm going from zero to side hustle. I want a side hustle. I want some side hustle income. And Nick's product was talking about getting into some freelancing and not even like really sexy seven-figure freelancing. I'm going agency. I'm getting like $7,000 gigs. It was, it was kind of on the more realistic side and just like earning some cash there. Nobody wants that. I'm raising my hand right now. Like no one wants that. We want the quick and easy cash. We want the, you know, quote unquote, passive income and stuff. And the more we thought about it, his, his course was solid. Nick's a great teacher. He's caring. The service component was there. It was not sexy. People didn't want it. It may have been what people needed, but people did not want it. That's number one. And number two, I, I think we're going to go deeper into this. It was his first launch. 
like he, he opened up like a little beta to a smaller group and he, he did like a few, like many launches to different segments of his audience. But in general, it was the first offer. It was the first iteration V1 version one of this product of this course or whatnot. And one of our big takeaways was most people <laughs> fall flat on their first product launch, their first course, their first membership, whatever it is. It doesn't mean you should like abandon it completely. It means you analyze, you learn, you optimize, you iterate, you make it better for the next time, et cetera, et cetera. And so part of what we kind of left with that episode and people go list it is okay. Now what? what to do going forward, learn from the mistakes, yada, yada. I mean, we all know this, but putting it into practice on any given day, week or month with our courses and with our products, probably pretty difficult. So those are my, my big two takeaways from that, that chat with Nick. Kudos That's to awesome. him for letting me like, throw him under the bus repeatedly he's a great guy yeah it's a it was a great episode check that out at the do you even blog podcast and i think of that there's a framework i use called um well there's like vitamin versus pill which is like painkiller versus vitamin is another way to say it or solution versus suggestion sexy versus uh not so sexy or whatever and I mean, I think about that as a marketer, I'm always looking for sexy, like in software as an example, if, if we've refactored the code and made a little this stuff more performant or like cleaned up the database or whatever, that is yeah, not no sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you gotta, sexy does matter. And also, um, the other cool thing I thought about your interview with Nick was he was already successful in other online income stuff like podcast sponsorship and whatever. So yeah. just because you're doing one thing well, doesn't mean, okay, I'm going to do this other type of online business and it's just going to work just as well or whatever. Like, totally. but I do admire, that's what, like if you, you have to have a healthy relationship with failure, especially if you're going to build multiple streams of income, because you're not just building one thing, you're building lots of things, which just amplifies the amount of failure you have to pass through. What is your, your relationship with failure, Pete? And, and by the way, dude is prolific. Uh, what did you say? How many courses have you made? Uh, probably like between 30 and 40 over the past <laughs> three years. Okay. I was actually, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually making a, another course. Hopefully it's my last one for a while, calling it quits and focusing on what's working. Uh, but right now it's called Content Everywhere. And it's my, my course on promoting and repurposing content. So I've, I was actually trying to add up I'm bragging here. I'm totally bragging, Chris. I was trying to add up like how many blog posts and podcasts and YouTube videos I've done. I lost count around 300 over the okay. past three years. Uh, I don't actually know what it's like, but if any, if I have any strengths, it's being prolific. Oh. What? Well, what's failed? Yeah. Or go ahead. You were going to say something else. No, I was going to. I was going to jump into your actual yeah. question, which uh, is yeah. speak to your failures. The true answer is 90% of it. So I have. I, okay. I'll. I'll Go ahead and self-promote here. I have a membership community. It's called Online Impact. It used to be called something different. And the story I like to tell about failure that I think most people can learn from, this particular product, right now it's a membership community. There's some courses in there. It's pretty standard digital product, info product, business for content creators. Well, I actually started that three years ago, like literally like three months into Do You Even Block. Three months after I started this entire like business, uh, I, I launched this product. I launched this course. There were, I don't know, like 700 people on the email list and it, it made a few thousand dollars, like 20, I think it was like $2,300 or something like that, which at the time I was like, 
yeah. hold the phone. This is awesome. And so I thought it was a success. Then I did it again, like six months later, maybe the three, six months later. And it made like a little bit of money, like 900 bucks or something like that. There's only one or two more people to buy. And I was like, failure, done. I'm quitting. <laughs> like, that's it. That didn't work out. Move on to the next thing. What's the next course? What's the next product? What's the next membership? Like, what's the next thing? And uh, I tried a bunch of different stuff. There's some other failures in there. And then I went on to the next thing. And then I went on the next thing. And people were telling me this entire time, like, focus entrepreneurship, online business, especially like focus is critical. And people say that all the time. And I'm like, Oh, you're right. That's great. I've totally do that. I, I need to focus. And what they didn't tell me was what exactly that meant. So part of me is like, Oh, I need to focus on doing a blog, like no other side businesses, no other side hustles or whatever. And I was doing that. And I was like, why aren't my products working? Like I keep launching things. I keep trying new things. Some of them make a little bit of money. Some of them don't like why what's going on here. And no one really told me like there were different levels of focus. And we mentioned Nick's failure. Like that was the first time he launched his product. First time I started launching these products, they were kind of like mediocre results. And so it took me two and a half years. Actually it was July, 2019. So a little over a year ago at the time we were recording this. I had just gone through a, what I would consider the worst failure. It was a product nobody wanted, nobody needed. I was charging way too little for it. And it was completely, it was hard to sell. It was a, it was a workshop. I called it the affiliate workshop and no one wanted it. No one cared. There's like 10 people that bought in. I made like a thousand dollars. This is going to eat up like months of my time. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. I was freaking out. I was, I, I was talking to my, my number two, Raina. I was like, what is going on? Like, why does Pete stink at this? Like, what's, what, what's happening? And so we had a, uh, a come to Jesus moment, freak of the expression, where I took a walk for like three and a half hours on the phone with Raina and just like trying to dig into what's going on. Like, all these failures that have been happening, like, why can't I seem to make any of this work? And then I think this is a big takeaway. She asked me, she was like, what's the business you, you want to run? like your dream business. And in fact, at the time, Avengers Endgame, I think had uh, recently come out. So we called it the, the Thanos Infinity Gauntlet business. If you haven't seen the movie, it's where he snaps his fingers and he can kind of make happen whatever he wants. It's just like, if you had the Thanos Infinity Gauntlet and you snapped your fingers, what would your business look like? The perfect, not like in a realistic world, like totally ideal. I was like, okay, well, let me think about that. Let's brainstorm that or whatnot. And was, again, just was walking, talking, thinking things through. And after three and a half hours, I remember that very first product launch that I brought up. It was called Blogger U back then. And I was like, I actually liked that. And it worked. There were 700 people on my email list. My business was like three or four months old. I made like 2,300 bucks, which is not like seven figures, but it was, it was brand new. It was the first time I'd done it, it was working. And so I actually decided to bring that back, which was a little awkward. <laughs> threw away everything else that I was working on. I focused on this one thing that I actually wanted and I launched it and it was mediocre results again, but I was okay with that. I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to figure out what didn't work, what did work, yada, yada. I'm going to do this again. And then I'm going to do it again. And we just did our third launch and it's growing. It's not like seven figures yet, but we're getting new people in every time. The people we've gotten into the membership, the product is starting to take shape over time. 
I'm going to say that again. Like the product is just now starting to take shape over time. And it's really been like three years in the making. So that level of focus right there, I think is the biggest contributing factor to most of my like failed launches, failed products and that sort of stuff. Hopefully that answered your question somewhere in there. Yeah, that definitely does. So what is it still, is it still called blogger you or is it called something else? No, it's called online impact now. <laughs> online impact. And what is it like, what do you, what's inside the box? Is it a course? Is it a membership? Is it a coaching program? Does it have worksheets or office hours or what's in the box? All the above, which also okay. makes it more difficult to sell <laughs> in a lot <laughs> yeah. of ways. Yeah. So they get access to all my courses. I have just like this, this library of content at this point that they get access to. And I do sell those a la carte as well. But this is kind of like a, you know, everything's included in the membership fee. And then we have an actual community component, which sounds a little silly. And I never, I didn't actually think that was valuable until I had a critical mass of people to actually make it work. What was the critical mass like number for you? Like approximately how many people? Right around 100. Okay. Yeah, cool. right around 100. That amount of people. But I don't know if you've heard of this. This is a side tangent. You've heard of like the, it was like 90-10-1 rule or something where 90% of people are literally just lurking on yeah. social media in your membership community. 10% are responding to yeah. stuff you post or whatever. 1% is actually like, creating new posts and asking questions or whatnot. <laughs> yeah. So there's only like five to 10 people max who are like engaging, but there's a ton of lurkers that are like in there and I'll get emails like, Oh yeah, no, I'm still here. I've been paying you money every month. I'm still here. I'm, I'm still learning. I'm just lurking. I'm like, okay, well, there you go. Anyway, side tangent. Yeah. Right around a hundred people. So it's courses and it's a community component. And then we do uh, twice monthly group calls and live calls. And I also have like an add-on where people can purchase like a coaching call with Raina, like my number two that I told you about. She's a certified coach. And then a website and blog audit from me, which is a little bit <laughs> what I'm better suited for. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much it. It's kind of, it's pretty well-rounded. What's your take on courses versus membership with lots of content? And maybe you do a la carte like you have. Like, so for example, um, something like... Uh, Jeff Walker's product launch formula. It's like the same. I call that like a signature course or Amy Porterfield's uh, digital course Academy. It's like the same thing or Marie Forleo's B school or whatever. Like some people have these like, and actually some of those are more like coaching programs, but what, what brought you to, I'm going to, instead of having this giant course, I'm going to do a membership with a bunch of stuff in there. Well, it's funny. This is another lesson learned from a failure. And it's going to answer your question. So that first online impact launch after the Thanos Infinity Gauntlet call and months of kind of rebuilding this program that I kind of already did like three years ago, uh, I expected it to be the bigger thing. I was expecting more people. And I have for like every launch. I thought it was going to be like my audience has gotten a lot bigger over the past couple of years. This is a great product. I believe in it like a million percent. That generally helps to like sell things and convince people it's awesome. And it was still just like little by little growth. And I was like, what's, I was expecting the B school. Like, I'm, I, I want to be in Marie Forleo. I want to make like <laughs> these $2 million launches or whatnot. Yeah. It's not like that. And even over the past, um, well, almost a year now, over the past year doing online impact, I've realized this is the, the metaphor that we already mentioned. I call it the dog pill versus the dog treat, like the sexy okay. versus what yeah. people need. <laughs> like yeah. Dogs don't want the dog pill. You actually have to 
like literally wrap it in a dog peanut butter. (laughs) Yeah. So online impact, it is the unsexy work. Like it is the dog pill. I know what people need. Like these, these creators and bloggers and podcasters that come to my community, they need accountability. They need to pay me every month and have me bug them to take action and do those things. Like everybody kind of understands that, but nobody wants that. Like nobody, nobody buys my membership. Cause like, yeah, I, I know what I need to do. They pay me to help them do that. And by the way, it works. Like out of anything I've ever launched, all those courses, all those products, this is the thing that gets the most results, but it's also the most difficult to sell because it's the dog bill. To answer your question, what I've done over the past six months, and again, I'm not the seven-figure guy yet. I'm not the B-school guy <laughs> yet, but I've, I've just started to like kind of work this out of my own business is to have both. And you mentioned Amy Porterfield. So I'm Amy Porterfield like a year ago was going hard on her membership component. I think it was, I'm not sure what order she sold in. I think the membership was sold on the back end of her, her courses. I don't remember exactly, but she, she was going hard on this. And for me, I think it's going to have to be the same thing. So online impact, the membership community for me is for the people who it's not cold traffic. It's not even my warm audience. It's for people who have, bought my courses. It's for people who have been with me for a couple of years. It's a back-end offer. It's a back-end offer and it's going to grow slow. It's not going to be like an overnight thing. But feeding into that, I've determined for me, I don't have the one thing yet. I have have two main products and funnels. One of them is on podcasting. It's called PodCourse. And the other one is on systems and productivity specifically with content production. I mentioned content everywhere. I have a tool called one hour blog post. And then that is this like little mini product funnel, this self-liquidating offer, this like slow funnel. And both of those things lead into the membership. Again, this is, this is really fresh and new for me personally. This has only been the past six months that I've really been putting this into action, but that's my current theory. That's cool. And what, um, just so we have context, you've, you've mentioned three years is, have you really, have you like been in the online world as a, for only three years or longer than that? Or what's the timeline? What's your personal timeline? Like I came online in 2008, I think. So that's like 12 years ago, but I wasn't like, seriously, there's like a whole narrative there, but what's yours? Like how, how long have you been at this? Yeah. Thank you for asking that. Cause a bunch of people are like, Oh wow, you, you did, you've been doing this for three months and you, you made a couple of thousand dollars. No, 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 no. <laughs> my story is I went to grad school, moved back in with my parents back in 2009. Yeah. And I was, I, none of my friends in town, super lonely, like literally living with my parents in grad school. And I started podcasting and blogging just cause I don't know. It sounded interesting. It sounded fun. I I literally walked down the street, Chris, and bought a podcasting for dummies book. Like, remember the the dummies book? Like the big yellow books? I bought one of those stupid things and read it cover to cover. I was so bored. What Um, were you studying in grad school? I'm just curious. Accounting. Okay. Yeah. So I was a CPA for several years uh, just before the even blog. Um, But to complete that story, so I had like two or three blogs over that first year and I I helped my friends start a, a sports podcast. I don't even... I'm not really into sports. It was terrible. It was really bad. So I got my degree. I got a job in accounting. We're skipping forward a few years here, like a, a, a quote unquote grown up job, $52,000 a year. I'll never forget where I was. That was the most money I'd ever heard of at that point. Like, what? Somebody's got to pay me money. This is ridiculous. So I work in accounting. I hate my job. 
I'm commuting. This is Atlanta. Atlanta traffic stinks. Like the entire, it's, it's the typical story. A lot of your audience definitely has already heard of hated my job, but they paid me well. And I, I went into some debt with like the American dream, like buying a house, buying a nice car. Like they're giving me raises. It's accounting. They pay accountants pretty well. And I was just so bored. A couple of years later, I literally took my accounting job and systematized it down to about four hours a week. It wasn't that hard. It, it was, I'm not like a genius for saying this. I was just like a normal person. It was that boring of a job. And so I got back into blogging and on my business. This was 2013, 2014 when this happened. And so I'm just starting blogs and I'm doing little side hustle things. I'm trying to make money. I've started over 50, 60 plus websites, blogs, or online businesses at this point since like 2013, 2014. Again, just the whole like focus thing. Like, oh, that didn't really work. I'm going to try something new. That didn't really work. I'm going to try something new. And long story short, in 2016, I was like, I've had it. I'm going to quit my accounting job. I found a job at a startup who was going to pay me like a salary still, but I only had to work part-time. So I'm like, this is the best of both worlds. This is great. I work part-time. I'm going to start blogs and I'm going to get a salary. This is, this is perfect. So I took that job. I moved my family of four at this point, by the way, uh, out of town, we sold our house. We moved, we, we were loving it. It was great. And I got laid off after one paycheck. <laughs> They're like, we don't have any money. That's great. So after moving my family, uh, I, I moved into my grandmother's house. She wasn't living there. She was in a nursing home, but my wife had also quit her job, by the way. So we had zero income coming in. I'm like, well, we have a little bit of money saved up. The emergency fund, generally pretty helpful. I could either go back to Atlanta or Chicago or, or some big city and get an accounting job, or I could try out this whole online business thing. And okay, so I'll tell you one more part of the story. <laughs> the last part of the story was, I was like, I'm going to try this online business thing. I'm going to try and make it work. I am going to reach out to all of the content creators who are making like big bucks, like the Michelle Schroeder's making like $120,000 a month. Or like my friend Bobby at the time was making $250,000 a year from his like pretty small new blog. I was like, can I just call you? I need to Skype with you. Tell me how you do this. And I did that. And he, he was like, yeah, sure. That's, that's problem. So I Skype, we recorded it. Okay. I reached out to Michelle. I was like, please, can I just call you? Tell me how you make money. I don't understand. And then I did that to one more person. And I was like, this is the most fun I've had in years. I think they call this a podcast. And that was <laughs> the birth of the Doom yeah. blog podcast. And it, it, I don't know if say it took off, but it got some traction. It was really good. I started building an audience and started like launching these products. And there we go. So no, answer your question. About 10 years, a little over 10 years is uh, how long I've been in this space. That's a great story. And that's like uh, that Steve Jobs quote, I, I'd butcher it about how it's like this weavy path and looking back, you can connect all the dots. But that's, <laughs> uh, that's you know, dabbling and trying lots of different things and reacting to situations. I mean, that's the reality of life. Um, I have a question for you about content formats. Um, podcasting, YouTube, blogging, some people say blogging's dead or whatever. Some people say YouTube's saturated. Some people say podcasting. It's not the early days anymore. It's harder to break through. Um, for me personally, I'm a fan of all three. Uh, I particularly enjoy podcasting like you. Like you said, you just calling somebody and talking to them and you get to co-create content with somebody. It's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. Um, I personally really like YouTube and video as well. Um, 
and I do blogging, but it's more time consuming. So I'm going to ask you in a later question about this whole one hour uh, blog post thing. But for right now, like, so I guess I would just say like, for me, I recommend you do do all three. You're probably going to have one that's like your superpower, but what's your approach to the stack of blogging, YouTube and podcasting and why should we do one, all three or none? Or what's your take on this multi-format content approach? So you don't, you have no idea how relevant this question is to me right now. I told you I'm working on this course. Literally, I'm completing it 20, 30 minutes from now when we're off of this podcast. <laughs> That's on my schedule, like finishing yeah. exactly what you're asking. So, oh man, I could rant for hours. I'll try and sub it up with this. All those people who say blogging's dead, SEO's dead, affiliate marketing's dead, podcasting, too late, YouTube, too late. <laughs> they're all right and they're all wrong. All these channels work. I, I know of people who have started blogs in the past year who have done really well and got traction and make money. I know the same thing for YouTube and the same thing for podcasting. Like that to me is a stupid generality that people need to forget it right now. What they do need to focus on is what they're good at, what they enjoy doing, and also what they hate doing. Yeah. What are you good at? And it takes a while to figure that out. For me, I thought I was good at blogging. I'm not good at blogging. Blogging, I'm good at like YouTube and live video and, and interviewing. I, I enjoy that. Um, two, what do you want to do? And then what do you hate doing? I hate blogging, to be frank. Like, I don't hate it. It's just time consuming. And I would rather spend my time elsewhere. So I chose different things. Now, I want to give a, a quick tip to people. You mentioned, oh, I forgot what you called it. Um, your, your main piece of content. I, I can't remember superpower. what you called it. Superpower. Yeah. My kids knocking at my door, by the way. Sorry for that. If you can hear it's it. It's all good. <laughs> I call it the lead domino. If you do any sort of repurposing, like imagine the domino chains, what's the lead domino? What's the very first domino, which once you knock it over, all the other things fall down way easier. So what I mean by that is what is your main piece of content such that by creating everything else becomes easier. And for Podcast me, interview, maybe uh, no, for me, this is so silly. There's actually two of them that I have. One would just be general outlining, like in a Google Doc. I've tried fancy writing docs. I've tried okay. pen and paper. I can't do it. A Google Doc for me, just doing a bullet point outline. Oh, man, I can bang out a YouTube video, podcast. I can write, blog, whatever. But if I don't do that, I can't produce a thing. It's so silly. And the other one for me is webinar slides. I only Ooh, discovered yeah. this like six months ago, creating <laughs> webinar slides. I did it for like 20 minutes. It was like a, it wasn't even for a webinar, by the way, I, I was just creating stuff in PowerPoint. I was like, Oh my gosh, I feel so clear about this subject right now. Like this piece of content, I could just bang out a YouTube video or podcast or blog, whatever it is. Some people that's blogging and writing for some people that is podcasting. They have to literally talk out loud. And for those people, by the way, who don't want to do a podcast, grab your iPhone, grab the voice recorder app and talk, talk into it for five minutes and then delete it. My friend, Brian Harris, I don't know if you know him or not from uh, video fruit growth tools. Yeah. He's the one that suggested, uh, I do that. Like several years ago, I, I saw a piece of content. I was like, Oh, that's super helpful. I process information this way. Anyways. So why was that? Why was, uh, then delete it part of the advice just to get it out or what was that? Well, you don't have to necessarily delete it, but it's not for being published. It's, it's for, processing information so that you can then write it out. So that I got you can it. So it's like outlining it with audio kind of. Yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cool. Verbal processing. Uh, nice. my, my friend calls that. So I would suggest people figure out what that is. How do you work best? Even if you're not like specifically doing the, the different channels or whatnot, it could be for course creators. It could be for public speakers. It could be for anybody like try and experiment, play around with how you process the information, which then you can present. YouTube, podcasts, audio, blogging, like whatever that is, it'll take some trial and error. But for me, figuring out the outlining and then the, the webinar slides, both of those work equally well for me. Oh man, I, I feel like a super uh, superhero now. Whenever I'm like sitting down to do a piece of content, I grab my Google Doc, I write down the name of the thing, I bang out the outline. I'm like, cool, what do I want to do now? I can do a YouTube video, turn that into audio. I can do an audio Turn that into video using headliner, Descript. There's a ton of tools to help you like repurpose the content. But the important part is just understanding your lead domino. And is that what the one-hour blog post is all about? Or is there any more you can give us related to that? Sure. So this was originally a Google Doc. And it was basically just like a content. It's, it's actually content prompts. Like I'm prompting people to write uh, their intros and write their outros and write their core content and, and stuff like that. That's what it was originally started at just in the Google doc, like some questions. And it turned into a content template of sorts. And now there's actually three different versions of it. Um, one's a Google doc, one's a PDF that you can like print out. And the other one is a, it's kind of like a form. It's not a Google form, but it looks kind of like a Google form that prompts you through a blog post. It just walks you through like kind of every, step of the process um, with a few examples here and there. And I've been actually doing this for years. I didn't actually think to make this a product or anything. Um, and I, I put this out like literally five or six weeks ago for 27 bucks. I have like a, a self-liquidating offer funnel attached to it, which we could talk about if you want. Um, I was like, I, I'm testing out this new thing. It's just a content tool and template. It's like really simple, but it'll help you produce content faster. And I put it out there to my email list. It sold out like the beta in 11 minutes. I was like, that's not a whole lot of money because it's a, a small price product. But I was like, oh, wow, that's weird. And so since then, this stupid little thing has made way more money than I ever thought possible. Just small offer is a tool. It's not a course. It's not education. It's like something they can use literally 10 minutes after they purchase it. And it works. It helps people produce content faster. I'm more than happy to tell you like, the prompts if you want to hear about that as well. But that's the, that's the story uh, of the product. That's very cool. Well, let's, uh, let's get into the techie stuff for the people that are, you know, WordPress folks out there. Yeah. You have a course Elementor for bloggers and Elementor is popular in the WordPress community. It's a lot of Lifter LMS people use it. You're using Lifter. Can you tell us what you're doing with Lifter LMS and Elementor and, and how you use those tools? Yeah. I'll also, uh, give you and the lifter team some credit here and say that part of the reason I switched over or switched back to lifter. I actually used it years ago um, is because of the Elementor and Zapier integrations. When I saw that came out, I was like, Oh yes, cool. Sold done. Yeah. Um, I personally love Elementor. If you can tell already, I think it's just, it's so accessible. It's affordable. It's cheap. Like the price points, right? It's just great. And we mentioned off air a little bit, Oh man, I forgot I forgot the names of the plugins. So I'm actually using two third-party plugins to integrate Elementor with Lifter. One is like Lifter Elements, and the other one's like Elements for Lifter Element. There's like two of them, it's two different companies. Yeah. Those have been 
incredibly helpful. So right now, onlineimpact.co is the website. It's just a, a landing page and Elementor. That's the only public page on the site. And for logged in people to get more specific, I actually have, I do have some courses in Lipter that I put in. Like I have an onboarding course to the membership community and like a few other things. But I actually, when somebody signs up, I don't know how tech you want to go, but I, I use Thrivecart yeah. primarily for all my uh, cart stuff. It's a Zapier trigger with two parts for Lifter. The number one is creating a user account in WordPress. And the second part of the Zap is um, enrolling them in a Lifter LMS membership. Okay. And for me, I just found it easier to like lock down the pages of the site, uh, like the dashboard for me. Uh, we also mentioned this off air. I really wanted like a cool... A custom, well-designed, like user dashboard where I have like my calendar embedded there for all of our membership stuff. I have a a welcome video. I have achievements that I love to do um, using Lifter, I believe. And I wanted like a really custom user dashboard right there. And so the membership component for me was a great way to do that. And of course, I use Elementor and that third-party plugin to style it and do the layout and uh, different stuff like that. Very cool. And how long have you been in WordPress? Uh, well, technically since that first blog back in 2009. <laughs> Not 2009? Yeah, yeah 2009. Um, I, would, I definitely wouldn't call myself an expert for sure. I'm definitely a dabbler. I yeah. think I used to do a little bit of uh, development and coding for a while. And something that taught me was the art of Googling. Yeah, <laughs> it was really it's like a superpower. People don't realize a lot of time just like knowing how to appropriately Google stuff. So that uh, I, I I give full credit to Google for all of my WordPress skills or whatnot. It's only been the past like four or five years that I've, I've started to dive deeper in that. That's cool. Well, let's um, just to kind of wrap up. You you mentioned and maybe it has to do with the big domino and having a framework for creating content, but what advice do you have for course creators who are facing that experts curse or course creators block where they just can't like get it out or figure out where the course starts and where it ends and like how to crank out the content and maybe any psychological issues of around like, Oh, it's not good enough. It's not, I'm not the best of the world at this, all that stuff. Like to, to you're obviously a prolific content and product creator. Um, what, how do people get moving and, and get creating and, and get that first launch going? And I like, I love how this whole thing started with like the launch being the starting line, not the finish line of the project. Yeah. Like how, how do we get the, that first part of getting the course create, figured out, created and launched fast? Mm. Okay. I have two components to my okay. answer. First is the imposter syndrome is the, it's not good enough is the, I'm not an expert. Let me, let me talk to that because I, more than most people probably suffer from imposter syndrome. I like the idea of uh, like a car or a car mechanic. Actually, my friend Grant Baldwin uses this example like all the time. It's like, if I don't I know nothing about cars. I have like a Ford Expedition. I don't know how to fix it. Like I could probably pump, put air in my tires and put gas in the car and that's about it. So when I take my car to the mechanic, I, I need advice. Like, tell me about this. Diagnose this. I need a little bit of help. Is this the most expert car mechanic in the world? No. Is this the most expert car mechanic in my town? No, probably not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. Right. I just need the thing solved. You need and a so, result. I need a result. And so for people yeah. thinking about, I'm not an expert. Well, you are an expert. 
ex being an expert is relative. Yeah, yeah. You may not be the best person, the smartest person in the entire world. I have a course on SEO. I'm not the best SEO. I'm not the best teacher of SEO. My SEO course is not the best in the world, but you know what? People pay me money for it because they know me. They like me. They trust me and my audience and it gets them a result. That's it. So I just want to speak to that first and say, yeah, no, you're not an expert and that's okay. People still have something to learn from you. Uh, and in fact, sorry, I'll, I'll keep going. I'm ranting now. Uh, a lot of times you being uh, only moderately more further along in the journey of whatever your topic is, let's say, let's say personal finance. Uh, you may not be a, what's his name? Dave Ramsey, or you may not be like some of the big personal finance experts, gurus, whatever they are. I don't care. You may just know a little bit more than this person you are trying to teach. That's actually better. <laughs> like they can't connect to what Dave Ramsey does because Dave Ramsey lives in like a $17 million penthouse. Like they can't, that's not relevant to them. That's like so far removed. They can't actually learn as much. They, people learn best again, not always, but a lot of times from those who are just slightly ahead of them, or at least they can connect with and, you know, get relevant information from. So you may not be the world's best expert, but if you're even a small expert, relative to your audience, relative to the people you're helping, that's actually good. Okay, rant over. Apologies. Sorry, not sorry, Chris. I love ranting. Uh, the other part... Of, so that's the inner game. Like, what's the outer game of getting her done? Yep. I was just about to get this. I am stealing this. I didn't create this. I love the whole, like, reverse engineering, working backwards approach to pretty much everything, especially when it comes to products in general. Getting your first course done and shipped out the door we already talked about the starting line, not the finish line, but also just connecting that with what is the end result I'm going for? And for me, that's high ticket offers. It doesn't have to be this way for everybody. But for me, it's like, what am I charging $2,000 for? $3,000, $5,000 for? Like, what is my high ticket offer? What, um, what journey are people on? What, what transformation does this do? And then I like to work backwards. Like, oh, okay, that's the end result. That's like the big thing. What's the, what's the $1,000 offer? What's the $1,000 course? What's the $500 course offer? Like the value ladder. I don't know if people have heard of this or not, but like the value ladder. I like to start with the end in mind, but just work backwards and be like, okay, what can I create and get done and get launched and get published today, this week, this month that could eventually transform into that or could eventually lead into that? Like what's, what's the MVP, minimum viable product? Like what's the baby step? Like what can I feel good about selling, creating, and launching. And then outline it and then create it and then sell it. It's going to suck. It's probably going to stick. You might fall flat, but then you're going to learn and uh, go from there. So hopefully that was helpful for people. I think that's super helpful. And I love that idea of dreaming a little bit. Like if you imagine yourself on uh, some exotic island resort, $30,000 inner circle mastermind teaching on whatever topic with a group of highly engaged people that are just as passionate as you are about the topic. And then reality checking and oh, stepping I, I, down. I was getting excited. I was like, are you actually selling those? <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. And then, uh, but then backpedaling and just going down to the MVP is, is, uh, be, you know, begin with the end in mind or that whole saying that a lot of people actually don't aim high enough. Like, it, like, give yourself permission to dream a little bit. I have a business coach. His name's Dan Martell. And he, uh, he says that a lot. He's like, dream a little bit. Like people don't dream. Uh, yeah. so, uh, I really love that. 
Well, uh, Pete, is it doyouevenblog.com? I want to thank you for coming on the show. And I yeah, think man. you're such a great example of being a blogger, being a YouTuber, being a podcaster. If you're listening to this in your earbuds right now, go check out the Do You Even Blog podcast. If you're watching this video on YouTube, go check out the Do You Even Blog YouTube channel. <laughs> How else? If you're using, uh, if, you, if you want to get into Elementor, check out Pete's course. It's super popular. And I know when I first get into a WordPress page builder, it, you know, you're not going to get it on the first go. It's better yeah. to have like somebody guide you through and get you into it than just, I mean, it's, that's the dream of software is the tool just, you know, teaches yourself. You just install it and you magically know how to use it, but it's better to have a guide. Um, how else, what, where else can the good people who are listening to the show or watching on YouTube connect with you and, uh, and connect with you and, and learn more about how you can help them? So I'm actually going to take the opposite approach. Considering I do have like the podcast and YouTube channel, snail yeah. mail, people calling me there. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll take the opposite approach and just point people to the homepage. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, the homepage. Uh, do you even blog.com. I think I do a pretty good job at like siloing people off into kind of what they want to learn more about and, or listen to or that sort of stuff. So do even blog.com, man. That's where you can find me. That's awesome. Well, Pete, thank you for coming on the show. I feel like I could have Joe Rogan done you and gone for three hours, but thank you for uh, <laughs> sharing an hour of your time with us here. And I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll see you around the interwebs. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. I really do appreciate it. And I also, I, I, mean, I didn't tell you this yet, but I also appreciate your product and everything that you guys work on. It's been extremely helpful and valuable to me as a creator. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.